Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Can you get Jamie? Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to the Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. How is it going, my amazing neurodivergent family? I hope that you're having a good week so far. I finally got my computer fixed, and as I anticipated, it is all wiped clean. Today's interview with Shauna Hughes, I recorded from my car via Zoom because one, I ended up having to switch schedules and work. I didn't want to miss out on talking to her and helping you guys learn something new about ADHD and nutrition. But I didn't get this one out as early as I typically like on a Tuesday because this weekend I got to spend Sunday with my dad for Father's Day here. And yesterday, Monday, was his birthday, 71st birthday. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. I also want to let you know there's a new Patreon, Natalie King. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. For any of the patrons of the show, you actually may have already tapped into this episode because maybe two weeks ago, I posted the uncut video of this interview. But for everyone else, I hope you enjoy this episode and you learn a little bit more just like I did about what nutrition has to do with ADHD, what makes it better, and also what exacerbates it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I read over your notes and I'm really, I can't wait to learn a lot from you. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm obsessed with food. So you're a nutritionist. So yeah, so in Canada, I know the the names of everything are different. So in Canada, we have we have registered dietitians. And then we have what my title is a registered holistic nutritionist. Mm -hmm. So the training is a bit, it's kind of less clinical. It's a shorter program. And we study like, you know, digestion, all the different vitamins, what they do, meal uh, meal planning and what a dietitian would do someone who wasn't particularly sick, but we don't go into the, how they, they work in hospitals and they can work with someone on a pureed diet and they work in cancer clinics and whatnot. Like holistic nutritionist is more for people who are, it's not like life threatening. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And we also learn a bit more, um, as the name would imply, holistic things. So we, you know, there's a lot of stress management. Um, like we learn how to teach other people how to stress, how to manage stress. And there's a bit, there's a bit of a spiritual element, not a ton, but yeah. So that's what I am. And so, yeah, so my, 
how I got into it was um, I worked with, I've always loved food and, and cooking and whatnot. And I've always been interested in health, but I had struggled for as long as I can remember with, um, with anxiety and various diagnoses of things, which got particularly bad after I had my girls. Um, I have two kids. And after the second one, I had a really, really bad postpartum uh, mood disorder. And that's when I kind of decided like, something has to be done about this. And I'm pretty sure it's related to what I'm eating because I didn't have a very, a very great diet. I had been a vegetarian for years, but I was kind of like a junk vegetarian. I would eat all the mm-hmm. processed, you know, things. And I just kind of knew was like, I, there's got to be something I can do. And at the same time, I, uh, I developed, I always had digestive issues, but they got so bad. Like I literally couldn't leave the house sometimes because I would be in pain or I would be, you know, stuff would be happening. Yeah. So I, basically did research for myself to heal my own digestion. And I noticed the improvement in my mental health as well. And I worked with therapists as well. It wasn't just like, you know, my diet cleared my head. And then that's, that's when I decided to go back to, to school to study um, nutrition. Cause I had been work. I worked for 12 years with uh, seniors with dementia. I did recreational oh. therapy with them. Yeah. So that was another thing as well as I was noticing working with them and all the crap that we were feeding them at like the seniors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> this has got to be impacting the dementia. Right. And most, you know, a lot of them had diabetes and I'm thinking we shouldn't be giving them white pasta for lunch, but anyhow, so that's how I got into it. And then um, I, I basically was like just a kid's nutritionist dealing with whatever issues parents had with their kids and eating and then just recently actually um my daughter started um having a lot of anxiety and we discovered actually that it was it was an attention issue it was it was the two she had anxiety and she also there was a the psychologist was saying is do you think this could be attention or learning related and I was like no no that's nuts like we don't have any of that in our family and that's not she does well in school right and you know that's crazy and then the <laughs> And then the more I started looking into it, I was like, I think that lady is right, actually. I'm pretty sure that's what she has. <laughs> like the inattentive form, right? There's this constant distraction and the, you know, the fidgety, the nervousness. The... And then I looked more into it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have the exact same issues. So anyway, long story short, that's how we, that's how I decided to switch my focus. I was like, okay, this is now what I want to the people I want to help because it's more, it's closer to me now. Right. And it goes hand in hand with anxiety. You know, people I talk to usually have both. They usually have ADHD and anxiety. So absolutely it's pretty much the same diet. <laughs> it's pretty much the same uh, food, um, foods that are good for one or good for the other. How much did your learning curve happen though? So when you, when you found out changes could be made in order to help some of the attention issues and all of that, like, was there a lot that you weren't aware of whenever you started diving into it? The funny thing for me, when I really started working on my diet, this is you know, going on seven years ago now, um, it happened. So I was mostly my digestion, why I was doing it, first of all. And then I just kind of noticed, oh, yeah, this is also kind of helping me to calm down and to not be kind of jittery all the time and whatnot. So I think I, I kind of always knew the two were related. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty quick, the learning curve, because I would say like, you know, six months, it was evident that it was significantly improved by diet or worsened by diet. Like there's a lot of foods that I just don't eat now because I know it's, 
gonna send my head into a tizzy, right? Or my stomach, yeah. <laughs> Two are linked so closely, so yeah. So what were some of the changes that you made? So the, the number one thing is I tried to um, make sure that everything I was eating was not really heavily processed. So with, with any neurodivergent condition, there's always the reaction to food coloring and food additives, especially with ADHD. That's been studied quite a few times. And there's quite a few researchers that have found that it's very clearly impacted by the chemical food coloring. So I wasn't eating a ton of that to begin with because I was a grown up, you know, I wasn't eating. I mean, I shouldn't say that because a lot of grown ups do eat food coloring. <laughs> I wasn't eating Fruit Loops for breakfast and I wasn't, you know, eating colored candy on a regular basis. And But yeah, I just tried to cut out a lot of the, the processed things. So everything I ate, I tried to make it as few ingredients as possible. And I also, you know, the things which were impacting my digestion, I noticed very quickly were impacting my mind as well. So for example, I can't digest dairy very well. Anytime I eat a milk product, it's not, it's not pleasant. And it also makes me kind of cranky. And the same with um, gluten, right? If I eat, you know, occasionally if it's organic and if it's, you know, not a ton of ingredients in there, I can eat it. But if I have a day where I eat like a sandwich from a deli and then a piece of cake and then a muffin, it's, I can barely wake up the next, it's like a hangover, right? Interesting. So yeah, it was more for me because of my history with the digestion. It was more about like avoiding the things that cause the digestive upset because they were linked and we're also causing the mental health issues or not, I shouldn't say causing, but they seem to be affecting the mental health issues. So for me, that was kind of what I did. That wouldn't be how I would typically approach a client. I would, I, I kind of have more of a protocol. <laughs> I go through with the, with parents, but that's how it worked for me. You're talking about the chemicals that you have found this really important in reducing for a diet for somebody with ADHD. And you talked about the food coloring, you talked about the additives. What about the zinc levels? What does that do? Yeah, they've found that individuals who have ADHD are prone to a zinc deficiency or at least a lower level of zinc than the rest of the population. So zinc is uh, one of the minerals your body needs to detoxify. So when you ingest something like a chemical or some kind of thing that your body doesn't recognize and it needs to get rid of it you need zinc to do that properly so if there's in a deficiency of zinc it's your detox system isn't isn't optimized basically what foods are there foods that are higher in zinc or yeah. that, that you need to get primarily from supplements no you can you can get it from food um it's harder if you are vegetarian because a lot of a lot of zinc that North Americans eat, it comes from meat and fish. Um, like oysters are really rich in zinc. A lot of fish, pretty much any meat has zinc in it. So yeah, so vegetarian sources and it's in dairy. So if you're a, a dairy eating vegetarian, you can, you can get it from that. Otherwise it's mostly in um, like legumes are a really good source mm -hmm. for someone who's a vegan or pumpkin seeds have quite a bit of zinc. I usually, if I'm working with someone who doesn't eat meat, I usually do suggest a multi with a, with a zinc, with a bit of zinc added to it, just as like a safety, safety net sort of, mm -hmm. because when the detox system is not working, then these chemicals can, you know, build up in the body. And there's also research that shows 
that the, you know this because you're a nurse, do you know what the blood brain barrier is? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the little layer kind of that keeps bad things out of your brain that shouldn't be in there. And there was a study, I think it was two years ago that showed that um, people with ADHD had a certain um, abnormality in this protein that affects that barrier. So then they kind of deduced, oh, maybe these chemicals are more prone to get into the brains of people with ADHD. And maybe that's affecting the That is so interesting. You were talking Mm -hmm. about oysters. I feel like I keep trying to convince myself that oysters are okay because they don't have a central nervous system. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like like, oysters? Not when I say oysters, most people are like, (laughs) oh, yes, I love them. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if they don't have a central nervous system, then they can't feel pain. So maybe (laughs) that would be okay. And you were, you were talking about the importance of meat. And I know that whenever I first got diagnosed, the psychiatrist that I went to see, she gave me a list of foods that would be really great for me to eat with ADHD, primarily proteins. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit why proteins are so important for people with ADHD? Yeah, there's kind of two reasons. So proteins is what are are what our body uses to make uh, neurotransmitters. So you eat protein, your body dissects it, reassembles some of it as neurotransmitter, like dopamine and serotonin. Those are the two that are, you know, uh, lower levels associated with ADHD. So if you're not eating sufficient protein, then you're not giving your body all the building blocks it needs to make those neurotransmitters. So that's why it's particularly important with mental illness. Also the blood sugar levels if you're not getting enough protein and you're just eating a lot of carbs, depending on the carbs you're eating, but if you're in general, if you're eating tons of carbs and not a lot of, not a lot of protein, your blood sugar is going to spike and then crash. You know, that's bad for someone who tends to be hyperactive because, you know, when you eat something really, really sugary, you get kind of wired and then you crash later <laughs> and you run out of energy and you get moody and whatnot. The hangry a reaction, right? So for someone who's already kind of going up and down, throughout the day, it's quite important to balance the blood sugar and protein can help with that. What are your favorite sources of protein? For me or for a vegan? Are you... <laughs> uh, for, let's start with for, for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I actually, I eat a fair amount of meat. I used to be a vegetarian for years, years, like from beginning of high school, right through till motherhood, basically. And I, yeah, I was always kind of sickly. I was always had digestive issues. And then it was funny when I got my digestion figured out, I realized like I was sensitive to quite a few carbohydrates and um, quite a few of like alternative proteins. So for me, I eat quite a bit of like any kind of meat. I eat like lamb, beef, chicken, fish, turkey. I like to try and include fish a couple times a week for the omega-3s because those are also so important with any kind of neurological thing. Yeah. So if someone asked me what's the best type of protein for ADHD, I would, I would probably say fish, especially like a fattier fish, like salmon, sardines. If you can, if you like sardines, a lot of people don't. Um, Also though, with fish, you have to, um, and also a butt, you know, you have to be careful though um, of the mer- mercury levels because of the impaired detox. You don't want to be giving someone with ADHD a whole lot of fish that might be contaminated with mercury. So 
a lot of tuna and a lot of like the larger type of mackerel. It's called King Mackerel. There's um there's a website you can go to where you can print out like the highest mercury fish and the lowest mercury fish so that you can make sure you're not eating all the <laughs> all the contaminated fish. But yeah, but then there's also a lot of stuff you can eat for vegans or vegetarians. I'm not huge on dairy. Um, I just find a lot of people can't digest it well. So I don't, I don't recommend it to a ton of people, but you know, if you get a, a good quality egg, that's a great protein. Like if it's from, especially if it's from, from a smaller farm, like it's not a mass produced, uh, those can be a little depleted in nutrients. Also like quinoa, lentils, and quinoa is pretty versatile, right? You can make a huge batch of it on Monday and you can put different stuff in it to make different salads. I used to make a quinoa almond salad. That was really good. Lentils you can do a lot with too, right? You can make little salads with them. You can put them in a stew. You can make a curry. You can make a chili with lentils, right? So they're pretty versatile. And then for snacking, you know, nuts are good. Nuts are good protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So edamame is a good, a good protein. Tofu is good. I try to, I try to convince people to get organic tofu, um, just because soy is really heavily sprayed. If it's not organic, it is one of the more heavily sprayed uh, crops. So yeah, there's quite a few options. Seeds too, you know, chia seeds, chia pudding, uh, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, all the seeds. Hemp seeds, actually. Hemp seeds have a lot of omega too, so... I've never had hemp seeds before. All the rest of them, definitely. Yeah, hemp seeds are pretty good. They have a they have a different flavor. If you've ne- <laughs> if you've never had them before, you may not like them at first. They kind of have they almost just like grass. I've never eaten grass, but I imagine it's what- <laughs> <laughs> they have a very a very uh, it's they're a seed, but they taste like they should be green. It's like they should be a you know a plant, like a a grass or something. But but yeah, they're good to sprinkle on top of salad, on top of and cereal. Yeah, sometimes you can sprinkle them on top of cereal or oatmeal, I guess would be more, more, um, might go better. Yeah. I gotcha. What supplements would you recommend to people with ADHD? What do you think the best ones are out there? I think the best ones are, I've almost always tell people to take an omega-3 supplement, even if they're not, if they don't have ADHD, it's just like, we don't in North America, we don't eat a lot of fish and we don't eat a lot of seafood. Most of us don't get enough omega-3s and it's really, it's really crucial to cognitive functions. So yeah, I always recommend that. But again, I recommend that you get one that's, it will say on it that it's been tested for mercury. So the two big companies up here actually are, are Nutrici, which I know they have in the States too. And Carlson, which is a, a European company, but they probably have it down there because I have it in Canada too. So those two are tested. And other than that, I usually, it depends on the person, how well they're eating. So a lot of time with children, especially if they're on medication, they're not eating particularly well. Like they're, they may not eat a ton at school all day because the appetite suppressed from the whatever they're taking. And then they come home and they're just grabbing, you know, junk. And so I just kind of, for a safety net, I recommend taking uh like a multi, a good quality multivitamin. And then if you're taking a multi, look for one that is, it's uh, called methylated. <laughs> so certain people have a genetic, I don't want to call it a mutation, a genetic variant, let's say they just genetically, they don't process the B vitamins as well as other people. And it's not uncommon. It's something like 40% of the population has it. So basically what that means is Um, certain forms of B vitamins you can take are much, much more usable by your body. So if you get a, um, 
like folic acid and somebody with this mutation. It's called the MTHFR mutation. So if you someone has that mutation and they take folic acid, their body can't process that folic acid very well. But if you take folate, it's already kind of processed for them. It's it's methylated. It's I don't I don't want to get too sciencey because people tune out, but it's just it's better. I was just thinking, I was like, methyl's an amino acid. So I wonder with the in my head, like I was going over, like taking apart the words and so when we learn about it in school, there's like this little cycle. It's like methylation cycle. So I can like see it in my head. It's like adds a methyl, comes into here. So for the B9, particularly in the B12, those ones, you should look for one that's methylated. But you can, there are brands. If you go into a health food store and you say, I'm looking for a multivitamin, which is with the Bs that are methylated, they will know right away, assuming they're a decent store. Like, And there are different brands there. I wrote down a couple for you. The ones that the one that I like is the Douglas Laboratories. They have a couple good ones. They have because they have one for adults and they have one for kids. Mm. So it's called Douglas Labs Ultra Preventative. Oh, Mercola also. I don't know if you know that website, Mercola. It's kind of a he's a doctor, but he does a lot of like natural. He's into like more natural treatment of stuff. So he has a brand of supplements. They make a methylated one as well. Yeah. So that's just more like for a safety net. I'm not big on recommending the the like de-stress herbs and there's a lot of those out right now but I just kind of stick with the basics people I don't want to tell people to spend like hundreds of dollars on supplements you can get a lot of good stuff into you just through food so I heard a physician talk on a podcast one time and he was a I can't remember what type of physician but he was a very highly reputable one and anyhow he was talking about like the microbes of the gut and things like that and He's like, mostly I'm not a fan of supplements. It just makes your urine very expensive and very bright. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like you here, like, you know, there's some that are very good, but mostly <laughs> he recommended people staying away whenever he was talking about, you know, like yeah. gut health and stuff. I always tell people like, if you're buying a supplement, don't buy like a really cheap drugstore supplement, because even though it's cheap, it's a total waste of money most of the time. I mean, there are exceptions if you're, extremely deficient in something and you buy oh yeah anything then it's probably it's better than nothing and it probably will you know boost that a bit for you but a lot of them have a lot of junk in them too right a lot of kids vitamins have coloring in them and you Mm -hmm. know weird uh, fillers like uh, which are which come from like you know cheap like uh, like soy based you know like soy is fine to eat but the soy based fillers are really not uh, great and they can actually affect your gut too if someone has a lot of digestive issues i do usually recommend a probiotic again because we don't tend to eat a lot of fermented food in north america a lot of people are are lacking in the good bacteria in their gut and we eat a lot of stuff that can can adversely affect that like flour a lot of you know white all the white foods right white flour white pasta that's all hard for your gut, white sugar. It can decrease the amount of good bacteria in your gut. So if someone's got a lot of digestive issues, I usually recommend that. Again, I recommend a better one because it's more likely to survive the trip to your intestines. Like (laughs) the better quality ones are kind of made to actually work. So So what does a normal meal look like in your house? Let's say an evening meal. An evening meal? Mm -hmm. I do a lot of um, like one- one pot meals you call them like I do we eat a lot of curries so it might be chicken curry or beef curry or 
or lentil curry, lentil stew. Um, usually I put a bit of rice on the side because kids like carby stuff and, you know, rice is pretty, pretty benign. Um, we do, a, I do a lot of um, like roasted veggies with either fish or chicken. Uh, and we'll do, you know, a casserole. I'm very, yeah, I try and make everything in one pot just because it's easier and it's better, easier to clean up. And yeah, so that's what I usually give my kids. Sometimes I'll cook like a whole chicken and then veggies on the side with rice or bread. We eat bread. I, I make all of our bread. So it's like a, a natural sourdough bread, but I would never tell anybody to make all their own bread. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless they really like baking, then okay, try make your own bread. But yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a learning process. When you made those changes, what have you noticed about your daughter that changed whenever you changed her eating habits yeah so it's funny so when we found out about this attention thing we were already eating really healthy Mm -hmm. I was already a nutritionist and stuff but I kind of thinking back where I would remember that when we weren't eating as well so when we were on vacation say or when she spent a week at grandma's house or something like that I'd be like oh man she came back and she was just like not well like you know just moody and not her usual self and so yeah so it does kind of make me pay more attention to because before we were eating healthy but I wasn't super strict on we have to make sure we're eating you know, fish every so often. And we have to make sure that you're not eating, you know, too much of the refined foods because that might impact your blood sugar level and everything like this. So definitely yeah, the focus and the mood are the two things. So with her being the, the more of an inattentive end of type, it's a little bit different. So most most people I work with, most people I'm talking to have, have kids who are, are more on the hyperactive end. It's a little bit different. The changes they see is more of a, you know, more of a decrease in the hyperactivity and an increase in focus, maybe improvement in the moodiness usually. A lot of the food stuff I find, and I even, yeah, just people I've talked to over the years, a lot of the food stuff is uh, impacting the mood more than anything else. Like I've noticed more than anything else when my diet goes wonky, when her diet goes wonky, you know, the focus is impacted a bit, but the mood is really impacted. Like it's, it's quite it's quite astonishing, actually, to see how, I mean, it's not ethical, but it's all, it almost tempts me to, to like go totally crazy one day and just eat sugar and really junky stuff just to see how bad it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to do that to her. <laughs> so what type of mood change? Is it more of like a angry or yeah like a yeah it's I think it's more irritable it's more of a snappy kind of irritable and not and not sleeping well right she she'll not fall asleep after a day of crazy food so yeah it's more of an irritability and I've I've had a few people who've who have worked with me and said when they cut gluten out, when they have kids who are ADHD and who have a lot of aggression. So a lot of the time with ADHD, they'll have like uh, angry outbursts where they're actually physically aggressive or, or verbally aggressive. And sometimes cutting out gluten will actually help with that. It's not, it wasn't, wouldn't be the first thing I would say when I was working with someone, I wouldn't say you should not eat gluten, but yeah, if I tell people always to track, I, the first step is always, you know, keep track of what your kid's eating for four or five days and then keep track of 
what's happening mm-hmm. on those days with what they're eating. And if you notice the day that they had, you know, five servings of dairy that they couldn't focus on anything and were completely off the wall, maybe try cutting out the dairy, but that's only if, if they were suspecting a, a sensitivity. But yeah, the gluten thing is a little bit tied to aggression as well. It's interesting because people with ADHD, it's definitely not abnormal for us to experience those like flash emotions Mm -hmm. Um, and to know that there could be a tie-in with the food to help tame what comes so natural for us (laughs) (laughs) all over the spectrum with it yeah and it's yeah I think a lot of it is is also like balancing out the blood sugar Um, because when I'm talking about refined foods of course those are like not nutritious foods but they're also foods that are prone to cause your blood sugar to go up really quickly like I don't know if you know about glycemic load glycemic index um like diabetic people know about mm-hmm. it, um, like foods that will spike up your blood sugar really quickly just because of their composition, you know, like white bread and things that are really high sugar that don't have any other, uh, they don't have protein or fat, you know, like, um, oh my God, I'm so old. I don't even know the names of candy anymore. Like Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, I don't know candy either. I'm not a sweet eater. And sometimes like Canadian candy isn't the same as, U.S. candy and I talk to people and they're like I don't know what that is (laughs) but you guys have Skittles right we definitely do something like that because it it spikes up your blood sugar and then your body you know kind of freaks out and says we can't have the blood sugar this high send out the insulin and then it crashes down and you're just up and down all day and I actually I look back on high school and oh my god I ate so much candy and I was moody like not normal teenage moody like I had I had like mood mood disorder issues in high school and I'm like my god if I had just eaten more protein (laughs) and cut out some of the candy probably a lot of that teenage angst would have been would have been reduced quite a bit but what what age groups do you work with mostly now between about six and ten is probably the norm do you have a decent load of individuals yeah, I mean, right now, I with COVID, um, with the school lockdowns, I can't really work a ton. Sure. But, um, but yeah, there's always there's kind of always a few. <laughs> I cycle in and out, right? I usually work with someone for about three months. I cycle in and out. Yeah, about six to ten, and I think it's because that's when um, that's when kids are usually diagnosed with uh, with ADHD. Right? common age age bracket I do sometimes also work with the parents it kind of becomes more of a family thing because it's a hereditary right so mm-hmm. a lot of times the moms are like well I kind of have this too so maybe we can we can do it together so yeah and usually I would re- recommend that anyway I don't want one kid to be eating like a special food for them right everyone else is eating like you know cake so what types of things do you offer for your clients and their families like when you go through the process do you offer recipes do you offer resources yeah so um usually when we're doing consults we kind of figure out a plan together what how much are they willing to change how much are they willing to do basically for lack of a better word and then we go from there and I I usually develop like a meal plan and then a lot of the times they want to try new things. I don't go too crazy with recipes because then people just get overwhelmed. If I give them a dozen recipes, they're like, oh my God, I'm not going to try 12 things, right? So usually we make up a meal plan, you know, three, four day meal plan. And then there's sometimes one or two things on that meal plan, more snacks than meals. I mean, I don't, I don't recommend 
weird, impossible to make meals are pretty basic things that I recommend. So, um, but yeah, I give them a few recipes and I give them a little symptom tracker so they can track things. And then, yeah. And then basically it's just email correspondence between our follow-ups. So if they're having issues, I give them a lot of brand names too. A lot of, when I say, you know, go get a gluten-free bread and then they go, there's like 50 gluten-free breads and I know that half of them are really gross. Right. <laughs> so I try and give them, you know, depending on where they're living, I say, okay, where do you live? What's your grocery store? I tell them what they can buy there. Yeah. And then it's just correspondence back and forth. I get a lot of questions, you know, I bought this, is this okay? Or they'll send me a picture of a nutrition label. Is this a good balanced thing? Is this enough protein? Is this look good? Are these ingredients weird? Is this a food coloring? Is this a chemical? That's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of handholding, but, but it's good. It works out better that way. <laughs> That's really neat. I, I mean, I'm not a food lover other than just eating it, but I would have to think that would be such a fun journey to take with families and to be able to get the feedback and learn about the positive outcomes and the changes that are made. Like your reward, I feel like comes in a very short period of time. You know, like when they actually usually. start taking those steps and you get the positive feedback from it. Yeah, it, has to be a great- it is good. It's a good rewarding I do like rewarding jobs. Like I say, I used to work with seniors. Now I'm working with kids. So it's kind of that same sort of uh, rewarding feeling. But yeah, it is nice. And it's kind of, it's nice and it's kind of sad that people don't often think that the diet is going to impact much. I mean, obviously, if they're coming to see me and they're paying me, then they, they somewhat think that. But sometimes it's like, if it's a last resort, they're just like, I don't have anything else I can try. So I'm going to try this. And it's sad that that's, you know, the more natural approach has become like a last ditch effort (laughs) and people aren't more aware that like there are so many things you can do um, if you're struggling. It's, yeah. It's strange to me in general that people don't recognize how connected our body is. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it sounds strange, but, you know, something that affects your heart is probably going to you know, better benefit your gut It's going to better benefit your brain It's going to like homeostasis and reaching that happy place inside your body, (laughs) your digestive tract and your nutrients and things like that are such an important thing to make your body work right. I know. And it's, it really, I really get angry when I hear someone say, well, they tell me they have some condition. This, um, it doesn't usually happen with ADHD. I think most doctors kind of see that there's a bit of a dietary link, even if they're not fully on board, but sometimes, you know, I'll have a relative who will tell me they got diagnosed with something and I'll say, Oh, did they recommend any, anything nutrition? And they said, no, no, it's not linked to diet. Diet doesn't affect it at all. And I'm like, (laughs) how is what you're eating not affecting how your body is performing? So if you told your doctor you were just eating like chocolate bars all day, they'd be cool with that because it wouldn't affect whatever strange thing you just got diagnosed with. I mean, even like potassium and sodium levels affect your heart. You can can have a heart attack if your potassium level is not like within that perfect realm. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So hopefully things are changing for the better. I see more, more holistic and natural health clinics and whatnot popping up all the time. So I'm hoping that uh, people are kind of going to start to do both. I'm not anti-doctor. I'm not anti- that obviously I just got a COVID vaccine. I'm not anti, uh, you know, medical intervention, but uh, yeah, but I think there has to be a 
great combination um, in order because we so often just want an easy fix for things and then forget all of the things that we can do ourselves before we go to straight to medication or just like I did Mm -hmm. a podcast day about exercise and the benefit on the brain and how it sharpens your brain as well not just makes you look better for your standard but all the things that we can do before we take a cholesterol medication or you know yeah like that it's true it's true and there are a lot of good doctors like our my particular my doctor is really great and he's when I say I'm going to try this as well as whatever he's saying, he's like, okay, fine. But yeah, there's still a lot of old school guys out there that are telling you to no, 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 don't change your diet or anything. <laughs> so that puts that idea in your head, right? Say you're going to the doctor and you think, oh, maybe this can be helped with diet. And you're thinking you're going to do that when you leave the doctor. But then the doctor says to you, don't bother. It's not going to help. Then your, then your state of mind becomes well, that's not going to help. Right. So you don't even try. And a doctor told me, yeah, so why would I not listen to a doctor. I know. Right. Mm-hmm. The doctors are smart, but sometimes they, they just forget stuff like <laughs> which is important. When, when I was a neuro ICU nurse, um, it was, it was kind of a similar situation because I want to say that the neurosurgeons didn't care that much about the lungs. They didn't care that much about the heart because if you don't have brain yeah. function, you have nothing else. <laughs> so I feel like with a lot of physicians, at least here in the United States, they forget all the other good side of it because they're so focused on fixing it for people. They forget that sometimes a slow process and the things that you can do naturally will benefit as well. Yeah. And sometimes like they're not trained, right? Like uh, doctors aren't trained in like a lot of nutrition. I think they get like a little few hours of Mm -hmm. basic stuff that they don't know about that. And they're not going to certainly not going to give you like a a meal plan for a day. Right. That's not their job. Right. You know, and, and, and a lot of them will like, I'll ask my doctor stuff and he'll say sometimes like, I don't know, you can look into that. I don't really know. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Which I think is a better response than no, that won't. No, that Absolutely. Kashana, where can people find you? Because you post such great stuff that I love looking oh, at. Oh, gee, so. thanks. I'm kind of yes. on Instagram. Like I said, I'm kind of old, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to do reels. I'm like, be good on Instagram. Um, yeah, so you can just, I have a website. It's just shaunahughesnutrition.com. Shauna is spelled with a W. Um, or just at Shauna Hughes Nutrition on Instagram and Facebook. And that's where you can find me and follow me. All right. And I'll put a link to um, all of your places as well in the show notes. So hopefully people can get to it even easier than having to like potentially misspell it in the <laughs> search okay. bar. Well, you just searched it. I'm sure Google would correct it for you, right? If you, <laughs> if you search something with one wrong letter, they're like, did you mean this? Well, thank you so much for coming and talking and I really enjoyed it. I learned so much from you. Oh, I'm glad you're very welcome. I was so happy when I, when I saw like that you wanted me to talk because you have that nice Southern accent <laughs> and uh, I don't, we don't hear too much of that up in Canada. It's very unusual if you hear an accent from like the Southern U S so <laughs> such a, it's such a nice welcoming. Uh, oh, thanks. That you guys <laughs> if you, if, I wish that like, I just had a recording to play of my dad 
because oh. he's so much worse than me. You would need subtitles to understand like anything that he would say to you. It's so funny. Oh, really? <laughs> it's so Southern. I don't have trouble understanding you at all. It's just a nice, uh, I feel like you're going to invite me into your house for like a meal or something. You know? Well, we have friends from Canada that come down pre-COVID. <laughs> so you're always yeah. welcome to come for a visit, you and your family to North Carolina. <laughs> thanks we might one day well you have a wonderful night and thank you again so much you're welcome Jamie thanks thank you for listening in to today's episode of the neurodivergent nurse I hope that you learned as much as I did from the interview that I did with Shauna I'm going to put the ways that you can follow her on Instagram and all of that great stuff so that you can get tips and tricks to have the best nutrition for your ADHD. And also, I I want to throw this disclaimer in there like I do on so many of the episodes. This interview that I had, it was someone who is trained to give proper information for ADHD, but the best source, the best resource for you to use before you change anything in your diet is to make sure it's right for you. I can recommend before taking part of any changes in your diet, talk to your primary care provider to make sure the changes that you want to make are the most beneficial for you. As always, I hope you have the most wonderful week and I appreciate so much you listening to this episode and I can't wait to talk to you again.